if you had a scenario where we, the people of Colorado Springs, we got wind that in some place of uh, a real estate in the city, on the asphalt, in the open, there were children being hacked and beaten to death on a daily basis. Would we just stand by and let that happen? Would we? No. We would tell them, hey, you can't do that. That's wrong. That's an abomination. What are you, th are you crazy? And yet somehow you seal that up with a little bit of brick and mortar and we forget about it. And that's an example of sometimes the, thing, the things we do, we just, we just stand by instead of standing firm. Instead of telling people, I'm not just going to be silent and let this go on. We don't stand by. We don't let evil men have their way. You know, we're, I, I think about how, how Noah was described. He was described as a preacher of righteousness. We go out there instead of standing by and we declare the righteousness of God. We uphold the righteousness of God, not only declaring what is righteous, but declaring what is unrighteous, what is obviously unrighteous, and that we're not just going to stand by and keep taking it while evil continues to run rampant and unabated. And I keep thinking, if we, if we continue, even as a local church, to just stand by and leave the most vulnerable members of society open to attack just because it's the law of the land. What, what business do we have calling ourselves preachers of the gospel or lovers of Jesus Christ if we're not willing to call out something that is so blatantly wicked, wicked, and be there and call it what it is? It's amazing that any of us should even have to stand up here and make a case. How many uh, pro-life abolitionists do we have out here today? Oh, it looks like the majority of you. Any pro-choicers out there? Okay, I'm gonna preach the gospel to you. You're gonna get the gospel today, and you're gonna get a lot of it. So I wanna welcome you guys. My name is Jeremy Ubroth. I'm the pastor of Emmaus Road Reformed Baptist Church, and it is my distinct honor and pleasure to be here with you guys today. It is an amazing event that we get to celebrate really one of probably the most historic bills ever introduced in Colorado's history. And I would even go as far as to say probably the nation's history. Would you agree? Bill 1079, abolishing abortion in Colorado was an epic bill, a bill that we got to celebrate in the sense of finally being a bill that was introduced using probably for the first time ever, I think, Christian language outside of the founding era in our nation's history. And so today, I want to share a little story about how we got involved with it, why we're here today, why we are here to encourage and really rally the troops uh, to get behind abolishing abortion once and for all in Colorado, and as we work toward that effort to end it nationwide. And so with that said, here's a little backstory. So we're a little church in Colorado Springs, and we got involved through the End Abortion Now movement about, I think it's about four years ago now. We were actually one of the first of the few hundred churches to sign up with End Abortion Now. We received the kit and we decided we're gonna go out and we're gonna preach the gospel at our local Planned Parenthood. And let me say this, it was met with some pretty fierce adversity in the beginning. 
I imagine some of you out here in the crowd today as you've been working in the abolitionist movement, maybe for some time, far longer than we have, you've probably experienced some adversity in your church. Let me share a little story. So I said, man, I'm really excited. I've been following Apologia for some time now. And as I followed them and I've kind of followed their story, I, I, was, I was convicted, I was burdened. I actually wasn't involved to my own shame. And I had no idea, it wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't something that I was looking at nor considering. And as I was following these guys, I was watching their story unfold. I said, man, we need to get involved. This is a pretty important issue. And at most, it's a gospel issue. Amen? And when I say it's a gospel issue, I was saying, you know what? What is the lowest hanging fruit in our city? We're a tiny little church. We have very minimal resources available to us. How can we get involved? What would be the best form of outreach? And me, as really the pastor of outreach, my co-elder, the pastor of inreach, and we both inreach together and outreach together, he basically said, Jeremy, pick a mission and let's get after it. We need to reach our city with the gospel. And as I've been following apology, I said, man, you know what? I can't think of any other reason to get involved in the abolitionist movement to finally put, put an end to abortion. I thought, man, you know what? This right here is the easiest and simplest thing to approach. Hey, uh, stop killing your children. <laughs> it seems very easy to me when you think about it, what it means to actually be a part of the abolitionist movement and how it is a gospel issue. We should not kill our children. Our children are what? A blessing from the Lord, something to be treasured, something to be appreciated, right? God opens and closes the womb. It's him that does the actual work. And so why in the world would someone take that which should be most precious to us and destroy it? Well, as I've been going down this journey, I discovered, you know what? This shouldn't even exist in Colorado. Think about it for a moment. How many churches do we have in Colorado, you guys? Tons, thousands, right? It probably just within this square mile. Think about how many churches exist in Colorado. Think about the Christian witness that stands presently in Colorado. It blew my mind when I thought, wait a minute, how is it not abolished here? Why of all places I could think, you know, there's a lot of really, you know, gospel-centered states, but when I think of the kind of state Colorado is and the representation that we have here of Christians, it boggled my mind that this thing is even something that has to even be on our radar. Why is that? Well, let me tell you what. Francis Schaeffer said something profound. He said, you know, the reason why abortion back in Roe v. Wade and even before that even had a chance to come into existence, why it was even liberalized and then eventually completely legalized. The only reason that happened was because the church did nothing. As a matter of fact, he went as far as to say, it should, there should be a sign on every abortion mill that says, open by permission of the church. And when I heard that, that shook me. That rocked me. I thought, we need to get involved. So, of course, we reach out to Zach, the fellows at, the, at Apology, and we said, hey, man, we need to get involved. I want to get involved. I want to do this. This is a gospel issue. We're going to reach our city, and we're going to start from our city. We're going to work out to our county and try to be as influential as we can. And here we are, a tiny little church a few years later, who just stepped out and decided we're going to get involved. And here we are at the state capitol today. We have the blessing of providing testimonies for Bill 1079. We had the ability to call our legislators, our state legislators, accountable to the living God. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do. Amen. 
So it's a pretty straightforward issue. But then I ask myself, why is this still an issue in Colorado? How come more people won't get involved? So can you imagine what would have happened when here you are, you see my passion, you see my excitement for this. What happened when I stepped out and said, oh man, the church, they're going to get behind this. When we, started, when we started sharing from the pulpit our hearts about getting involved in the abolitionist movement, do you think everybody was like super pumped and excited to get involved in this? Now, let me, let me tell you what happened. We had people hold, their, hold us hostage with their tithes. They said, if you get involved in this, in this work, we're going to go find another church. That blatantly. How could that be? It's so simple to me. People are killing their children. Let's go preach the gospel to them and, and tell them to stop killing their children. But no, they said, nah, that's not something we should be involved in. You know, God's committed them to judgment. That's why they're killing their children. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Is that okay? No, no, it's not okay. God's committed them to judgment. And then you have other people say, well, Jeremy, what are you worried about? All babies go to heaven anyway, right? So why would you go out in front of Planned Parenthood, especially the one we're at, if you guys have seen any of our videos on Emmaus Road Media, shameless plug, go look there and look at some of our videos. People are like, what? Zach even asked the other day, hey, Jeremy, why are you guys so far away? Well, strategically, they placed the Planned Parenthood way in the back of a business area that's private property, so we cannot face-to-face -face engage with the public. We have to cry out to them through a megaphone, pleading with them not to kill their children. And we still get the same reactions I'm sure many of you have had. Yet the thing that baffled me the most is when I said, hey, we need some equipment. We need to get after this, you guys. We need to reach our city. So I'd like to actually go out and touch base with the one, number one contributor of abortion in the world, which is our college campuses. Have you guys done any outreach on college campuses? Yeah. What's that like? Is that super fun? Okay. Yeah, maybe you guys are fired up. You enjoy that. You appreciate it. Uh, I think it's really hard. I actually don't like it at all. I think it's really tough work. Even though I'm willing to do it, I'm willing to step out and do it. It's tough, you guys. No one wants to do it, really. And then when you try to rally people behind it, you say, hey, man, why don't you guys join me? Come out. Let's, let's actually share the gospel with people out of the college campuses. Because mostly, where, where strategically do Planned Parenthoods place themselves? Next to college campuses. Why? Sexual promiscuity. It's running rampant there. And so if people want to preserve their college education, they want to continue that, they don't want to be bound by a child, what do they do? They go kill their child. So we went out and engaged with people there. Well, then we had a, at first we had a big showing, and then over time, even people within our own church stopped showing up. We got people to complain. I don't like these yucky signs. That's horrible. You're condemning these women. We're not condemning them. They're already condemned. We're just telling them the truth. We're exposing the darkness of what happens behind Planned Parenthood, behind the doors, right? This is something that, that you, everybody should be made aware of. Well, I think, you're, I think you're getting a little too rough with these people. You need to chill out. You know, Grace, bro, we even had someone say, park their truck next to our, the place where we preach and drop a rock off saying, and it had on there, cast, he who cast the first stone of judgment. Come on, you're casting the stone at us right now. You're living out this prophecy, right? Or this parable. I share all that to say, I personally as a pastor have had, found it incredibly difficult to get people involved. And I personally think, I believe this with all of my heart. 
This is an emergency situation. One moment, please, while we process your request. I am convinced, to my heart, in my heart of hearts, I believe wholeheartedly that more folks like you, the more influential that we are with one another in our church bodies, of course, graciously encouraging people to get involved, seeing this as a gospel issue. Folks, I'm, I'm convinced this small population of people right here today, no different than a tiny church out of Tempe, Arizona, just look at what they've done. We too can work together to end abortion in Colorado. Wouldn't you like to see that? So with that said, how can we practically then get to work? You know, I asked, uh, I've been having conversations with uh, Dave Williams and I wanna be supportive of him. As a matter of fact, I was just at the uh, CD5, the Congressional Assembly this morning, dropped my ballot and then raced out the door to make sure that he was on the ballot to be voted for. I wanna support men who want to see abortion ended in our state. And Dave probably provided one of the most powerful testimonies I have ever heard from any sort of representative. If you guys have not had the chance yet, go to Apologia Studios. Go watch the video and look and listen to what Dave had to say. I highly recommend you go listen to this man who is a leg legislator in our state who confessed publicly to his, he even said to my own shame that he has not really, he has not really been faithful in the area of, of expanding his witness for Christ. And then he confessed and then he probably presented one of the most powerful testimonies in support of his bill. We need to stand behind people and get, get people involved, guys. It starts with our vote. Let me share a little brief story about our little journey. Couple goofballs, Greg and I, you may have seen us in the videos. We listen to Apologia. These guys have been highly influential, as you can imagine, right? Hey, these guys are getting involved in their state processes. Maybe we should do that. So my buddy Greg here and I, we said, oh, we'll go to one of these things called the caucus. You guys been involved in your city caucus or your, your, your state caucus? Who's been involved in state caucus? Oh boy, We've got work to do people. I have only a few hands. Here's what I'm saying. I have no idea what to do, none. Walk in, I'm like, all right, just meet people. Hi, how's it going? I have no idea. Next thing you know, I'm a precinct leader. Okay, that could be dangerous. I'm a precinct leader. And then appointed as delegates for every single assembly, which means that we actively, this group of people here, as you get involved, can actually cast your vote for who you want to see on the ballot. Who you want to see on the ballot are the ones who make decisions legislatively in our state. And you right now have the opportunity to get involved at the grassroots level. You right now can jump in just like a couple of goofballs here. I honestly have no idea. I still trying to figure out this morning what I was doing. But I know this, the more we get involved folks, the more we'll be effective. So let me say this, let me provide some, some encouragement here to you and a challenge, a loving challenge. He's just doing like circles around the block. <laughs> uh, please God, help them find where they need to go. Let me give you a couple practical pointers. Guys, those of you out there who are keyboard warriors, man, you love to ha hash it out with people on Facebook. Okay, you love it. You engage with people. Sometimes I engage with you. We go back and forth. You might have seen me do that. Maybe a little too much. That's not really helping you guys. It's not. Now, I know you think, but it, bro, it's evangelistic. Yeah, I agree. Share the gospel for sure. 
But guys, that's not making a change in our state to end abortion. It's just not. Actively getting involved in your civic work and rolling up your sleeve and getting involved in the civic work is more than keyboard warriors behind Facebook or Twitter. I promise you. So in the end, I'll, I'll wrap up with this, okay? Because I'll keep going here all day. Greg knows that. Everybody knows that. I'll just preach all day. What I, he's still, is that another one? That's another one. Okay. At the end of it, why are we here today? What is the most important thing? And I think you're going to hear this message across the board. We are standing in direct opposition against principalities, forces of darkness, rulers of this day and age. And we possess the most powerful weapon to stand against all of those foes. What is it, you guys? What is it? What's the most powerful weapon that we possess to stand? The gospel? How about the sword of the spirit? The very word of God, okay? We need to armor up. We need to take the fight right to the steps of the enemy's gates. And what does Christ promise? The gates of Hades will not prevail. I'm here to inform you those gates are not offensive weapons. I know it sounds weird, but the gates aren't like attacking you guys. They're not pressing you into a corner. The gates are here. And Christians will be victorious in Jesus Christ. Amen? We believe ultimately that all Christ's enemies will be brought underneath his feet. And then he'll hand the kingdom over to the Father. And we are an active part of that, preaching and declaring faithfully the word of God, holding our legislators accountable from the state, the county, all the way to the city. That is our obligations as Christians, to have a prophetic voice, to declare faithfully, this is what you are required to do as a legislator, one who is a God's deacon, God's minister, appointed by God. That is your responsibility and that is your obligation. Legislator, city leader, city council member. So let me encourage you guys, go to Apologia Studios, look up their content, get educated, and get out there. We, we who are out there, and I'm sure I'll get a hearty amen at this, would really appreciate some support. We would really appreciate more than prayer, although prayer is important, but praying at home isn't enough. Pray yourself into action. Amen? So with that said, hey, you guys, I'm, thank you so much for coming out today. Again, my name is Jeremy Ubroth. I'm a pastor at Emmaus Road Reformed Baptist Church in Colorado Springs, and it is my distinct pleasure to, to encourage these guests to come up here and share with you today their hearts, their passion for why they're here. And please, let us not leave here today and just go home and say, yes, great cheerleading event. But let us go here from here today and move into action practically. Put your theology to work. So I'm going to invite up on the stage Don Mays, uh, who represents Action for Life. He's going to share with you his heart. Thanks, thanks very much. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Don Mays. I'm here on behalf of Action for Life. We are honored to be here today to support Representative Williams in his pursuit of ending abortion here in the state of Colorado. Action for Life is a nonprofit organization that aligns with organizations like End Abortion Now and other like-minded organizations throughout the nation in the pursuit of ending abortion in our country. We are thankful for the actions of Representative Williams and his courage to come forth and present this bill here in the state of Colorado. 
We know that it comes with immense opposition, even from some of those in our Republican Party who proclaim to be pro-life, yet they do not support bills of abolition. Action for Life is a, a nonprofit organization dedicated to reaching out to state representatives all across the nation and helping them to, to develop bills of abolition. They work with multiple states at this time and, and with, with God's grace, they will be involved in many more others. Take hope, friends, because you are one of 18 states that are putting forth or planning to put forth bills of abolition in this nation, and we are thankful for that. But the fact of the matter is, babies are still dying here in this state. Their blood is still being shed upon this ground. But the people of Colorado are beginning to rise up, beginning to speak out to their state representatives and demand that they do their duty and uphold the Constitution of the United States and protect the innocent babies in the womb. Out of the 65 state representatives here that were elected to office in Colorado, 24 of them are Republican conservatives, most who proclaim to be pro-life. Yet only four have come forward, including Representative Williams, to support this bill. We do have work to do here, Colorado, and in other states as well. A lot of the opposition that we receive for bills of abolition are coming directly from Republicans who claim to be pro-life but do not want to see abortion ended. And we ask ourselves, why is this? Why are Republicans who claim to be pro-life not willing to step up and support abolition? Well, I think it's due to three main things. Number one, it's due to their fear of the pro-life establishment more than they fear God. And they fear the pro-life establishment more than they fear the people who have elected them to office and who can easily elect them out of office by replacing them. The pro-life establishment has spent millions upon millions of dollars every single year, but they still have failed to end abortion in this nation. Their bills are not bills of pro, their the bills are not pro-life bills. They do nothing to end abortion and they do nothing to stop bloodshed. Every pro-life establishment bill that is passed, you must ask yourself one of two questions. Is abortion ended and are babies still being murdered? And in every case, that, that is the case with these bills. Only a bill of equal protection will provide protection for all babies in the womb. And that is what we must pursue. So we must get to know our state representatives. Second, the reason why they're not coming to support their bills because they are more worried about self-preservation than they are about upholding selfless duty to the babies in the womb and those most vulnerable in their communities. And thirdly, the third reason why they have failed to support bills of abolition is because we have fallen short as citizens in this state and throughout this nation of holding them accountable. Do you know who your state representative is? Do you know them by name? Do they know your name? Are you calling them? Are you emailing them? Are you showing up to the district meetings and holding them accountable for not taking action in supporting these bills of abolition? We must do that. We must get involved and know our state representatives. And we must proclaim to them if they are not willing to come aboard and support a bill of abolition, 
then we as a people are going to get them out of office and support candidates who are willing to go forward and to do just that, to bring bills of abolition into every state across this nation. That is how we are to push these bills forward. We need more and more representation so that these bills continue through the legislative process and we can actually end abortion in this nation. But keep your hope high, my friends. This is a historical moment for this state and a historical moment for this nation as more and more representatives are getting the courage because of people like you who are demanding that they uphold justice. And so we are encouraged by the promises of Christ that he is ruling and reigning over all things and he is putting his enemies under his feet. So though we look to see if abortion is ended in our lifetime, and we hope that is the case, if it is not, we continue to rest on the promises of Christ that we know one day abortion will be abolished forever. So keep fighting the good fight Keep supporting organizations such as End Abortion Now and Action for Life. You can go to Action for Life, takeactionforlife.org to see more about them. And if you are visiting here from out of state to support this effort, and you have a state representative in your state that is wanting to abolish abortion, reach out to Action for Life and they'd be more than honored to help you in that process. To God be the glory and Christ is King ruling and reigning over all things. My name is Don Mays. I thank you for your time today. God bless you and continue the fight to fight abortion. Thank you very much, Don. Appreciate that, brother. All right, and for our next speaker, we have Zach Conover from End Abortion Now, Director of Communications. And I'm really excited to introduce him. These guys, like I said, guys, Cannot say it enough how much of a blessing you guys have been to us and our church. So I'm eager to look at this. Introduce him to you today, Zach. Welcome. I want to thank everybody for being here today. I have noticed that the sound system is going in and out. We have a motorcycle parade. We have emergency services going on. I cut my teeth preaching outside of an abortion mill with speakers in my face. So not much bothers me in that regard. So if I project a little bit louder, don't be alarmed. My name is Zachary Conover. I'm the communications director for End Abortion Now. And I just want to encourage you all today, seeing you out here at this rally, being a part of what the Lord is doing in your state and across the nation is truly incredible. We are humbled to be here, humbled to be a part of what God is doing here. And I want you to know and hopefully be exhorted forward in this fight with this knowledge. There is enough people standing here in this state right now to end abortion. Throughout history, it has never been the majority that has turned the tide. It has always been the relentless pursuit of justice by a zealous and tenacious minority that changes everything. 
No matter what issue you want to look at. And so, brothers and sisters, if you're here today under the sound of my voice, understand that you do have work to do. We want to help you. But there are enough people standing here to end abortion in Colorado. You need to stir the church to revive the bride of Christ and put her back on the field of battle to be faithful to her king and captain. And you can do it. You have the spirit of God taking up residence within you. You have the word of the living God as the weapon for this fight. So I encourage you today, it is possible. We are here today by the grace of God to instruct our magistrates and the general public in righteousness as it pertains to the establishment of equal protection for all human beings under the law. We are here today to speak prophetically to the state of Colorado and its elected representatives to tell them that they are answerable to the Lord Jesus Christ for refusing to protect life in their state by allowing the shedding of innocent blood. Brothers and sisters, this is something in scripture that calls down the judgment of Almighty God on a nation. Make no mistake about that. Lastly, we are gathered here today to exhort you, brethren, in the Lord to lay hold of the only eternal and unchanging standard of justice that will lead to the end of child sacrifice in our land, and that is the law of God. It is the word of the living God. For decades now, the pro-life establishment has told us that abortion is not a religious issue, that we can fight it with science because it's a biological question. They would even profess that Jesus is Lord, but they have largely sidelined their Christian commitments, refusing to use words like sin or repentance or gospel, and they have instead opted to treat child sacrifice as health care and regulate it as such, rather than do what God commands us to do, and that is establish justice for the preborn and criminalize it as murder. We refuse to treat this as God treats it. We believe that we can somehow appeal to those who are at war with God and his word on the basis of some type of general standard of morality common to us all, because after all, we all basically know the difference between good and evil, don't we? Don't we have consciences? But as we're seeing now, brothers and sisters, the lines are being clearly drawn in our nation, aren't they? The reality of the cultural moment is rapidly closing in upon us. Some of the most wicked legislation imaginable is being proposed at the state level right now, allowing for not just the murder of the unborn in the womb, but perinatal infanticide as well. Did you see that? That that is going in right now in states, not just killing babies in the womb, not just tearing them apart limb from limb, not just poisoning them in the wombs of their mothers, but actually having a live child on the table that is then left to be exposed and to die. That is what we are up against. It is cognizant of the culture of death, reminiscent of the culture of death, I should say. 
As a culture, we are reverting to the runaway pagan times of Romans 1, where men and women have exchanged the truth about God for the lie and are instead now, rather than worship the one true and living God, are worshiping and serving the creator or the creation instead. That's where we are. It's creature worship. It's the elevation of ultimate, unfettered, unaccountable autonomy. That is the God of this age. And that's why we have the catastrophic consequences of this idolatry in our day. And so what you must understand today, if I could communicate one thing right now, it would be this. When it comes to this issue or any other, there is no neutrality. The issue before us is not a biological question. That has been known for so long. The other side doesn't even deny it now. This is a question of authority. Who says and by what standard? Whose word must we obey when it comes to the protection of the most innocent among us? Many would question what we are doing here today. Why get involved in the political realm? Why address legislators? Isn't civil government just a necessary evil that we have to endure? Friends, there is a pernicious teaching that has crippled our witness and the effectiveness of the Christian church in our land. We have made these artificial divisions between the physical and the spiritual, between the secular and the sacred, between our private lives and our public witness. And on the top floor is where we put all the spiritual things, right? Church, devotions, prayer, evangelism, our private piety before God, Bible reading, my personal relationship with Jesus. And meanwhile, on the bottom floor is where we put the things that are of less value, like art, economics, medicine, athletics, oh, and law and politics. But what we need to understand is that all of creation, every aspect of it, every realm belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, says Psalm 24. Understand this, that everything made by God is good. It is not the structures and the institutions that are the problem. It is the direction and orientation of the human heart. It is not the structures that are bad. It is the orientation and direction of the human heart. There are only two options. There are either is a heart that is set towards Christ in obedience and faithfulness, or there is the heart that is turned away from God in rebellion and apostasy. Those are the options. When Christians abandon civil government and the political realm, it's not that those things go away. It's that what we are left with is apostate politics, which leads to the type of legislation that God calls an abomination. You heard Pastor Jeremy allude to this earlier example, House Bill 22, the Reproductive Health Equity Act. Did you hear that? The Reproductive Health Equity Act on its way to being signed into law by the governor. Now, three things caught my attention immediately about this bill. And the first is this. It uses the term pregnant individual. 
Friends, I don't know what a pregnant individual is. I know what a pregnant woman is because only women have that incredible gift of being able to create life, of being able to nurture life and take care of life. It's an absolute insult to women and the glory of motherhood. The second is that this bill states that an individual has the right to either carry a baby to term or to have an abortion. If you didn't catch it, friends, that is an abomination. That's an abomination. It enshrines godlike autonomy and unaccountable control over one's body. And in case you didn't recognize it, it's the lie of the serpent in Genesis chapter 3. God says, and the serpent, I say, now you decide. You determine for yourselves what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong without respect to God. That is the kind of legislation that's being put forward in our nation. It punishes, it publishes the lie that a woman can contemplate the murder of her own son or daughter without reference to God. And lastly, it states that a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus, which by the way, are just terms that we use to describe human beings at different stages of development. Okay, don't let the euphemisms throw you. Why don't unborn human beings have rights according to this bill? I don't know if you've read it, but it states that the fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of the state. And why don't they have these rights? Well, because they say so. Are you seeing the contrast now between the authorities? Who says, by what standard, is civil government able to do this? Do they have the right to confer rights upon people? Is that their duty? Is that their responsibility? Contrary to what the bill says, the unborn do have derivative rights, just like all of us do, because they are, like the men and women that wrote this, made in God's image. The state does not bestow rights on its citizens, and they do not create morality. God does. The state is responsible for recognizing those rights for everyone and protecting them by law. This legislation says the opposite. It says that a mother may murder her child and the state cannot interfere. They can do nothing. But do you know, brothers and sisters, what else is derivative? The offices of all the magistrates in the Colorado legislature. God is the one who establishes and sets up kings, and he is the one that brings kings down. Romans 13 tells us that everyone is to be subject to the governing authorities. That includes the legislator that is subject to the Constitution and the ultimate authority, the law of God. Why? Because the civil government rules for God as a minister of justice. He is a servant of God that is required to bear the sword against those that do evil. And who gets to define what's good and evil? 
2 Samuel 23.3 tells us that if rulers are to rule justly, then they must do so in the fear of the Lord. They are not to follow the multitude to do evil, which means they are not just to vote the consensus of the people without respect to what God has said. They are not to pen oppression by putting forward what the Bible calls iniquitous decrees, Isaiah 10.1, that deprive the needy and the innocent of their rights and justice. Yes, that term rights is in the Bible. Proverbs 31, which is written to a king, tells us that rulers are to open their mouths for the mute and the rights of the poor and the needy and to judge righteously. So who is responsible when judges, governors, and legislators fail to do this? Well, of course, these men and women will give an account before God. They will stand before his throne and be judged. But remember what the prophet Isaiah tells us in Isaiah chapter 5. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who trade light for darkness and bitter for sweet, who have cast aside, they've rejected the word of the Lord. They despise the word of the Holy One. And then where does God turn his judgment to? The people. The people. Those that are responsible before God for holding their legislators accountable to the word. And how does that take place? Well, we love to use this passage for evangelism. How will they hear unless someone is sent to preach to them? It's funny, we never apply that to the civil sphere of Christians actually going to their elected representatives and bringing the word of God to them. We are responsible. God calls us into account, and it is our duty to be involved in the divine calling of speaking God's testimonies before kings, Psalm 119, so that they legislate what is just. And a shining example of this is what Pastor Jeremy alluded to earlier, the Abolishing Abortion Act in Colorado, put forward earlier this year by Representative Williams. This bill rightly defines life from fertilization as having personhood, and that the state is required to do its job and protect them under the state homicide code, just like everybody else. That's what we're after, in case you haven't noticed. Equal protection under the law. The bill also resists the SCOTUS opinion of Roe v. Wade, because that's exactly what it is, an opinion. Brothers and sisters, we are not waiting on the Supreme Court decision before we move forward in abolishing abortion. Roe is not the law of the land, and the Supreme Court is not God. This bill demonstrates that we are moving forward to establish justice for the fatherless. Isn't it interesting that Colorado sure does understand this point? If you walk downtown Denver in the streets, you are waffled with a cloud of marijuana smoke, aren't you? You smell it in the air. Colorado has no problem defying the federal government when it comes to lighting up. But when it comes to the lives of image bearers of God in the womb, where are we at? 
Are we willing to do the same thing for our children? There's an antithesis, friends. The abolition and criminalization of abortion or the unfettered right to expose infants to death and discard them like refuse with full protection of the law. That's where we are. That's where we stand. A vague sense of morality is not enough to establish justice and end abortion. It's not enough. We must be Christians. We must be thoroughly biblical. And some may say, we can't expect unbelievers to obey the law of God, can we? You heard that? Well, the Bible is clear that the good news of the gospel is only for those that are already under the law. What does the Apostle Paul tell us in Romans chapters 1 and 2? He indicts all of humanity, Jew and Gentile. That is you and that is me. And he says the law's purpose is to do what? To shut you up. So that the whole world and their mouths would be stopped and held accountable before God. We assume that every time we preach the gospel on the streets, before our legislators, that they are in fact accountable to the law of God. Because if they're not, then they're not a sinner. And then if they're not a sinner, they can't hear the message and come to faith in Jesus. It's not good news for them if they're not under the law of God. A vague sense of morality will not do it. 1 John 3 tells us that sin is lawlessness, which is what Christ came to save us from. Now people, of course, need new hearts to love God's commands. However, the commandment itself is holy and righteous and good, Romans 7 tells us. The problem, of course, is sin in every human heart. And that's why a ruler's conscience, hear me, a ruler's conscience is not a sufficient thing to rely on in matters of governance and justice. Because if they haven't bowed the knee to Jesus, the Bible teaches us that our consciences are seared, in fact, because of the fallenness of our nature outside of Christ. And that is why, brothers and sisters, out of love for God and love for our unborn neighbors, we must instruct our magistrates to implement God's moral law. No other standard will do. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 says this, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. And listen, in accordance, in agreement, in harmony with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. The pursuit of justice, brothers and sisters, is in harmony with the gospel of grace. I want you to hear that. They are not opposed to one another, and we need to stop treating them that way. It is not grace or justice. It is showing 
justice to the preborn by calling on magistrates to have mercy on these children. That is the way forward. If we are to love our neighbor and treat them how we want to be treated, then we must make it so that they receive the same protection we would want for ourselves. If we want our nation blessed again, then we will work to publish righteousness in our land. And I'll end with this. Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. That is the attitude of our apostate generation. Cast away the cords of God's restraints, that blessing of God's restraint. And what is the response of God Almighty on his throne in heaven? He laughs. He holds them in his derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying what? What is his response? I have established my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. What's that referring to? Jesus is the first begotten from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, when he was seated at the right hand of God the Father, he received all authority in heaven and on earth to rule the nations and to have them as his inheritance. That's what this fight is about. It's about the great commission. Because all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus, he says, go get the nations, they belong to me. And do what with them once we find them? Discipline them. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, here's the promise. I am with you always. He will be with us always to make sure that the task is complete, that it is carried out. But in that passage, don't miss this, brothers and sisters. Do not miss this at the end. Because here's the warning to the kings, the rulers of the earth, the governors and those in authority, the legislators among whom God walks in this building. He is there with them. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Serve who? The Lord. Not some other God. Serve Yahweh, the God of Israel. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. Bow the knee to Jesus, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled, and don't miss it, blessed are all who take refuge in him. That language, that warning to the kings is a call for them to take refuge in the Son. That is salvific language, brothers and sisters. Because once they are called to obey Jesus, and by God's grace, he gives them a new heart that actually loves the commandments of God, that actually wants to publish righteousness and publish peace in our land so that we are not under the curse of God and the judgment of God any longer. 
take refuge in the Son. That is what we want. Because once, by God's grace, they come to faith in Jesus, we want them to love publishing justice for their neighbors, the most innocent among us. Amen? So thank you very much for being here today, brothers and sisters. It's a, a true honor. I know that we can work together to end this. You have to understand something, and I'm sure everyone here knows this. Even before Roe v. Wade in 1973, Colorado was the first state to decriminalize abortion. Right? This is ground zero. You, Christian, you, church, rise up. Take a hill for Jesus on this issue. Strike a blow for freedom. And fight for these little image bearers of God. And don't stop until you secure their protection. Wow. Amen. Guys, let's give uh, Zach one more hand, one more round of applause. Thank you, brothers, so much. Man, I love you guys. I could listen to these guys all day. I really do appreciate them. Okay, so next up, uh, I do want to introduce someone who's been, again, highly influential uh, in this work, right, in, a, in terms of abolishing abortion uh, internationally, and uh, as a pastor of Apologia Church. I want to introduce to you guys today, please welcome Jeff Durbin. So that's uh, Zach Conover, the Director of Communications for End Abortion. Now, uh, 20 minutes ago, he said one more point. <laughs> you can tell who, who he was discipled by, right? Thank you all for being here. Praise God. All glory to God. When you look around you right now, you see a witness of other Christians who love the Lord Jesus and are committed to fighting for justice for the preborn. You see among you in Colorado, fellow believers, witnesses from a multiple, a multiple different churches across this state who are ready to take a stand for the gospel, for the glory of God, to stand on the law word of God, to stand for the word of God in their culture, to establish justice. Brothers and sisters, Zach said that you have enough people in front of you right now and next to you to end abortion in Colorado. That is not simply a motivational speech, it's not a kick, it's the truth. It's the truth. Right next to you are believers from different churches. We need you. Let me just say that very important thing. We are one church in Phoenix, in the Valley. Our studio is in Tempe. We rent from a church in Mesa, Arizona. We are not a mega church. And we've raised up close to 900 local churches internationally who are saving thousands and thousands of babies from death. We are one church. One church. We're not special. We're not rock stars. We're not superstars. We are believers who love the Lord Jesus, who want to preach the gospel, who want to be faithful, and we want to see the world transformed by the gospel itself. We've been able to get legislators across the country to put bills of equal protection into their states. This is bill, these are bills that would criminalize and abolish abortion in their states. We are one church in Phoenix, Arizona, 
not a mega church. We do not have unlimited resources like the pro-life industry apparently has. We are one local church. Right in front of you right now and next to you are multiple churches from across this state. Believers who know the Lord Jesus, who know the law word of God and know the gospel. You can see Colorado abortion free in terms of the issue of justice if you would work together as believers in this state. One of the great challenges, I wanna just be very transparent with you. One of the great challenges that we see is that there are enough people in this nation who want to see abortion called murder. They wanna see it criminalized. They wanna see it abolished. There are enough people to completely flip a state and to criminalize the issue of abortion. There are enough people who believe that between their ears and behind their eyes. They want to see it happen, but they are not willing to speak the truth in the public square and to sacrifice their lives, to lay their lives down for these pre-born children. They don't want to get vilified in the public square. They don't want people to hate them for their testimony. And they don't want to actually go through all the suffering and persecution and pain that it would take to actually see justice established. Brothers and sisters, what you see just with Apologia Church, and again, we're not special. We're not rock stars. We don't have magic potions. We're not, you know, doing things like that. All we are is a church that took little steps of faithfulness, little steps of faithfulness that became massive movements across the country. What it takes is faithfulness. And so I wanna challenge you right now. You're here, you came to the rally, Praise God, all glory to God. I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart how grateful I am that you made the, your way out here and that you're standing here with us. But brothers and sisters, we need you. We need you not merely to come here like the pro-life movement does once a year in different states and at the capital of the United States where they march around streets and hold signs and rah, rah, and then they go home and do mostly nothing, mostly nothing. If you would, as worship to God, lay your lives down and commit to work together to let people know about Dave Williams' bill when it goes back in, and it will go back in. It will go back in. If you would let people know in your churches and in churches that you're friendly with, if you would come to the Capitol and challenge these legislators, if you would work together, you would see abortion abolished in this state. It takes the witness of the church. You must preach Christ. You must preach the law word of God. You must preach the gospel itself. That's the only thing that's gonna change this nation. Brothers and sisters, yes, we're trying to establish justice for the preborn. Yes, we want equal protection for all humans from conception, but that will not change the heart of the nation. The only thing that brings a rebirth, the only thing that transforms a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, the only thing that motivates people to want to obey God's law is the gospel itself, and that must come into the culture. It must come with truth and confrontation, and that's what God uses, he says. It is the power of God for salvation. If you don't preach the gospel in, with full throat, with full truth, then you lose the power of God to raise dead people to life. Is your state dead? Then it needs Christ. Is your nation dead? Then it needs Christ. 
and it needs the truth of Christ. The pro-life industry has been trying to fight this battle for half a century devoid of Jesus Christ, devoid of the law word of God, devoid of the gospel itself. And they wonder why no transformation. They've been arguing that this isn't a religious issue. They've been arguing, you can argue this point biologically and everybody's going to come along with you. Have you noticed that the pro-abortion industry acknowledges readily that what's in the womb from conception is human life, fully human. They know it's not a disputable fact. They can't come against the science. And so they readily admit, we know that it's human from conception. It is not. It is not a biological question. It's a moral question. It's a moral question. You're seeing it right now, aren't you? The battle lines drawn. The Christian church rises up with the law word of God and the gospel. We go to faithful legislators like Dave Williams, who's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We challenge him with the word of God. He faithfully puts a bill in that says abolition, criminalization, it's over. Protect all humans, image bearers of God. That's a line that's drawn. And do you know where it came from, brothers and sisters? Do you know where that movement is coming from? It's coming from the church. It is not coming from the pro-life establishments. Those lines are being drawn now across the country. It is over abolition, criminalization, equal protection. And what does the left do? What do the wicked do? They see this movement and they say, all right, Let's go ahead and put all of our cards on the table. The church is putting their cards on the table. Criminalization, it's murder, it's evil, it must stop, full stop. And so what will we do? We'll be honest. What do we really want? Well, why don't you actually give birth to your child and let it die of exposure for weeks after it's actually exited the womb? You see, for them, it was never a question of biology. It was always a question of ethics. And this comes down to the depravity of man. This comes down to an issue of sin in our culture. You cannot destroy wickedness and sin in your culture without talking about sin and repentance. It'll never happen. This must be a move of the church. It must be for the glory of Christ. I'm not in this as a brother, as a pastor, for any fame, any glory, any money, any accolades. I want Christ and his name to be glorified. I want abortion ended in Jesus' name. For his glory, for his kingdom. That has to be the desire of our hearts, brothers and sisters. We're not ending abortion suspended in midair. Yay, abortion is over. The question is, okay, now what? My nation is still lost. They still need Christ. And these legislatures across the country need to yield in obedience to Jesus Christ. Christians talk about the Great Commission all the time. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. What's he say to do? He says, disciples, baptize them and teach them to what? Obey. We've lost that part of the Great Commission. 
The goal isn't just Bible studies in basements and on corners. The goal of the gospel is to win this entire world to Jesus Christ, to obedience to Jesus Christ. And let's be honest, can we be honest? Isn't it just so foreign to us today in the evangelical West, a foreign concept that the legislators have to obey Jesus Christ? It's a foreign concept to us because the church has stepped away from the truth and its roots. And that's that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the ruler of the Kings of the earth. And that what he comes for is to expand his kingdom and to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. People talk all the time, conservatives without Christ talk about it all the time, the founding of this nation, the great founding of this nation, the justice in this nation. Where do you think they got that from? They got it from the law word of God. They got it from the Bible. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing to consider the fact that when this nation was first starting, you had colonies that acknowledged the triune God of the Bible as a supreme ruler over their colony. When they would make treaties and covenants, they would say things like, in the name of the triune God of the Holy Scriptures. They would acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ and all they were doing. And they knew a supreme, important, fundamental foundation. And that's this, Lex Rex, the law is king. If you do not recognize a transcendent law, hear this, if you do not recognize a transcendent law above the government, then government attempts to deify itself and to become God itself. Do you not see that today? Do you not see it in our nation? You talk about the last two years of tyranny since COVID and all the stuff going on. Our government is tyrannical. These people think they run the world. They're imposing their morality. Brothers and sisters, because we yielded the authority of Christ to them. We've said, you don't need to obey Jesus. You're the government. We're the church over here. We'll, we'll say to Jesus, Lord, we'll obey him over here. You can obey whatever God you want. And the government says, thank you. Now we're God. Romans 13 says that the role of civil government is to be, please hear this, the servant, the deacon, church word, right? The deacon of the true God. The people in this legislature and in legislatures across the country are commanded by God to obey Jesus Christ. Are you ashamed of that? Are you afraid to say it? Because we have been afraid to say it. In the Christian West, in the last couple of generations, we've abandoned that vision that government, family, church, all under the same God. All under the same God. Did you hear one of these lame legislators during the hearing, if you listen to the hearing, you'll hear him saying the typical, the typical stuff. Yeah, separation of church and state. Didn't even know what it meant. Separation of church and state is a Christian doctrine. If you like it, thank a Christian. More specifically, if you like the doctrine of the separation of church and state, thank a Calvinist. We gave the world that doctrine, but it doesn't mean what they think it means. The separation of church and state 
was to avoid a situation like England, where you had a state-controlled church. Separation of church and state is ours. And what it meant was, you have your sphere under Jesus Christ. We have our sphere under Jesus Christ. We can speak to one another, but we have the same Lord. It did not mean that the church does not have to obey Jesus Christ. You want proof? We could be here all day. But Zach already preached a sermon, so I'm limited on time. How about Matthew 28, 18 through 20? All authority in heaven and on earth. Do you think that means here too? Amen? How about Psalm chapter 2? Where in, listen, this is what's amazing about it. Here you have a conversation between the Father and the Son in the Old Testament revelation before Jesus walks on earth in his earthly ministry. And in Psalm chapter 2, these songs they were singing in Jewish church, it says, from the Father to the Son, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Here's the question Dr. Greg Bonson challenged me with. Do you think Jesus forgot to ask? Ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. The very ends of the earth for your possession. So question, what do you think Jesus came for? A couple disciples here or there? His own little realm over here while the secularists and atheists and humanists run this realm over there? No! This world belongs to God and the promise of scripture is this. The meek shall inherit the earth, not the unrighteous. This is God's world. And what God says in Psalm chapter 2, you heard Zach say it, is he says to the rulers of this world, he says, obey the son or you will perish. Do you believe it? Or is that just too radical? Because let me tell you something. The missionaries, the missionaries who changed the world in the last 500 years, they believe that. They believe that. The Puritans who established so much, so much peace and blessing in this nation that you're still reaping the rewards from, they believe that Christ was the ruler of all things. He owned everything. The Huguenots, the pilgrims, they believe that. It's foreign to us, admittedly, because the evangelical West has fallen prey to Gnosticism, dualism, and ideas that, well, you've got the spiritual kingdom over here. That's Jesus. He rules over that. And all this really just meaningless fodder. It's going to all burn up anyways. I'm sorry. That's not the message of the Bible. Jesus told us to win the entire world to him. And you do that through the proclamation of his lordship, the call to repentance and faith. This world doesn't change without the gospel, without the gospel. And if you need some encouragement, if you need some encouragement, everything happening in the last couple of years, the thousands of babies being saved on an annual basis through the church going to the mills, the legislation going into the states that says equal protection, this is murder, abolition, it is all coming from little churches. Little churches. Do you need $50 million to change the world or a state? Can I just say this? I'll just, I'll just be as transparent as possible. Tens of millions of dollars flowing through these organizations. And they brag about legislation that says, 
hey, look what we did. I, I saw this recently. Look what we did. We, in, in this state, look at our victory. You gave us money. You gave us money for justice for these children. And look at what we did. We said in this state that you are no longer allowed to kill the child with a sharp instrument. You have to only use suction or chemicals. That's the kind of injustice. That's the kind of iniquitous decree that these organizations have been putting in. Wider hallways in abortion mills. More health standards in the abortion mills. Or how about this one in my state? They rejected our equal protection bill and the pro-life establishment in, in my state rejected the bill that would have criminalized it and ended it. They told the legislators not to vote for it. They said, put our bill in. Their bill said, well, how about this? You can kill the child, but you have to give it a proper burial. Do you know what that did? It lined the pockets of the abortion facilities. Do you know why? Because now they get to pack another cost into the abortion with a premium. It only made the abortion facilities more money funded by your pro-life dollars. They put another, they put another piece of legislation in that says you, you can kill the healthy children, but you can't kill a child for the express reason of a genetic abnormality. Brothers and sisters, what is that? Before God, Proverbs 20, 23. Unequal weights and measures are an abomination to God. You see, I said this recently. Did you hear me say this recently? It's been on my heart. As Christians, we are so ready, sometimes, maybe not enough, at least between my, our ears we are, we're so willing to say that sexual practice over there, that's an abomination. We look at the man with a beard wearing a skirt and we say, God says abomination. And we love to feel icky about it. And we should. There should be a, 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 an image bearer of God, repulsion of that sort of a lifestyle. And we know what God's word says in Leviticus and elsewhere about it. And so we're proud to say, hey, God specifically lists that sin as abominable. It's an abomination. And we're proud to stand up and say that sexual ethic and practice is an abomination before a holy God. Do you know what else he says is an abomination? Unequal weights and measures. Partiality. And the pro-life establishment puts in constantly through your dollars, bills of partiality. You can kill this child, but not this child. You can kill him in this circumstance, but not that circumstance. How about we just say what we mean? Christ is king. His word is the truth. This is murder. Abolish it immediately. You know why people are afraid? Because it takes courage. It takes courage. It takes courage to stand up against the issue of slavery when people are accepting it round about you. It takes courage to talk to a plantation owner and say, hey, what you're doing, God says, deserves capital punishment. Man stealing and enslavement in God's law says death penalty. What you're doing is wicked before God. That's an image bearer of God. You must turn from sin and trust in Christ. You must end this immediately. You know what it took back then? Courage. Because you were standing in the face of people who said, we're morally allowed to do this. My plantation, my choice. Don't want a slave, don't get one. See the problem? It takes courage. And we think that a lack of courage is just a minor flaw in the human experience. But can I challenge you to do something? Read Revelation. 
Read that scene in Revelation when it talks about who's in the lake of fire. Do you know who it says goes into the lake of fire? Cowards. Cowards go into the lake of fire. In other words, being a coward, knowing what ought to be the case, knowing what has to be done, and refusing to do it out of self-preservation or whatever, that's cowardly. And God actually puts that as one of the sins that sends people to hell. Being a coward is a sin before a holy God. When you know what God's revelation says and you will do nothing about it because you are fearful or you desire self-preservation, that is a sin against God. We have to, of course, repent as a church first and foremost. Do you believe that? We have to repent. And in our repentance, you know what I'm going to say, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If we're truly repenting as Christians for our cowardice, for a lack of gospel preaching, then we need to repent. We need to repent in a hurry. And we need to get about the work of proclaiming the truth of Christ into the world. Brothers and sisters, I am not special. I'm just a fellow servant, just like you. That's it. Please understand that. I'm just a believer. A believer with other believers in a small church in Arizona that said, we want to be faithful. We want to do what's right before God. And God bless that faithfulness. Don't look at the people who have come up and, have come up and spoken or the stuff that's online and think, I could, never get, I could never do that. I could never be a part of that. Do you know the gospel? Do you know the truth? Start telling it. I want to know who in this state is going to lay their life down for the sake of these children. I want to know who's going to actually sacrifice and do what it takes. Because you see, here's the thing. We got the bill in, equal protection. We went to the hearing. It was fought against by legislators who were answered to God for what they did. But we can only do so much in your state because I'm from Phoenix. I'm from Arizona. As much as God has given us a platform to let everyone know what's going on and to get everybody surrounding the truth and fighting together, I am not in your state. You cannot depend upon end abortion now or action for life to end abortion in your state. We're here to support you. We're here to stand by your side. Ending abortion in Colorado is going to take place with Colorado churches. It's not my duty. It is your duty before God. You must end it in this state. We will stand by you. We will be here to encourage you. We will, we will give you whatever you need from us. But ending abortion in this state is going to take place because of the people standing right here at the Capitol today. Believe that. When Representative Williams puts this bill in again, can I encourage you to give everything up for the sake of these children to make sure that God uses this bill to establish justice for the preborn in Colorado. It is your duty, brothers and sisters. I'm your fellow servant and fellow worker, but this is your duty before God. Will you take it on? Thank you. So uh, if you guys didn't know, Jeff, this might be a bucket list, uh, Zach. Guys, this might be a bucket list thing for you. 
You have been preaching at a mile high. That's what they wanted to take his picture for. So you've been preaching from one mile above sea level. <laughs> Thanks again, Jeff. I uh, really appreciate it. Love you, bro. Uh, guys, let's give him a hand. I really do think you guys have, Apologia, you guys have been such an encouragement. really appreciate you guys. And uh, as I shared earlier, one of the, it, they are the reason why we're out here today, aside from the Lord provoking us to come out. And so, but that said, uh, is it fair to say we saved the best for last? <laughs> I want you guys to give a warm welcome to Representative Dave Williams. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for uh, taking a Saturday to come to this important event. I assure you, uh, you did not save the best for last. In fact, I was late. And so let that be a lesson to me because I don't know how I'm going to follow, follow Pastor Jeff Durbin. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm no hero. I know I've, I've gotten some praise for carrying the bill, but I assure you, I am no hero. Um, I'm just a regular guy who is a state legislator and was obedient to the Lord. But I want to tell everyone and remind everyone that the Lord cares about obedience. In fact, obedience is preferable than, than sacrifice. And so what I would ask all of you is to, to do is pray and see what it is the Lord is asking you to do on this fight to end abortion. All it, all it takes is one person stepping in and standing in that gap and pushing forward. Jesus Christ changed the whole world with 12 disciples. There are more than 12 people here right now. So imagine what we can do if we work together to ensure that we abolish abortion and we abolish it in this state. As I was, uh, as I was uh, offering this bill, I, I was convicted. I was convicted to tell my colleagues why, why I cared about this so much. Because so often Republican legislators who claim to be pro-life, they, really, they don't really set the groundwork. They really don't make the argument. And one of the biggest problems in the pro-life movement, the mainstream pro-life movement, is the separation of the gospel from this issue. Separating the message of Christ is a mistake that the pro-life movement has made for so many years. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Amen? If we're going to succeed, if we're going to win, we have to make Christ the foundation. Nothing will be successful if we don't. And to you, I, I apologize. This was the first year. This is the first year out of six years that I've actually offered this bill. I wanted to do it in prior years, but I never got around to it. But then I felt so strongly that it needed to get done. And that's why I thank End Abortion Now, Pastor Jeff Durbin, Zach. These guys are on the, on the front lines trying to do the Lord's work. And all it takes are people like us, legislators who understand that they, they have a responsibility, not only to their neighbors, but also to God. And if we have more people who are willing to submit to the Lord's will, then we will succeed. As I think about you know, the steps ahead and what to do moving forward, I think about what Jeff said. He's right. If we're going to succeed at abolishing abortion here in Colorado, 
It's going to take all of us who live in Colorado moving in that direction. But it's not just a bill. We have to offer the bill, but there are many other instances that we have to get involved. We have to start electing righteous leaders. So often there are phonies out there. It's not just Democrats, but there are sellout Republicans who claim to be pro-life, but they're not really. They claim to be pro-life, but then they'll vote for a budget that funds Planned Parenthood. We have to kick them out. We have to hold our own accountable. How can we preach to the world a standard if we can't have a standard in our own house? I told the committee members that day, all of them, Republican and Democrat, that whatever happens in this life, whatever actions I take, not only as a legislator, but just as a human being, I'll have to give an account. There will be a day of judgment and I will have to explain to the Lord how I treated all of you, all of my neighbors, how I fought on this issue. And knowing that, knowing that how, how the Lord is going to be questioning me and how I want to hear on that day, enter in thou good and faithful servant, I felt compelled that I had no other choice but to fight for the unborn. But that's not just me, that's all of us. That's all of us, and that includes those Democrats. Yeah, we, we didn't win the vote, but that's not the end of it. That's not the end of the story. The battle belongs to the God. And what we did was a victory. We laid a groundwork that can be built upon and pushed forward. I'm sure many of you were witnessing what happened after my, my bill was introduced. There was another bill. The Democrats, they offered their bill to establish abortion, to establish homicide as an acceptable practice in the state of Colorado. I'm sure all of you, who, who here was paying attention to that? Yeah, it's wickedness. And we tried, there were, there were good legislators standing side by side, trying to fight and do whatever we could. We led an historic 24 hour filibuster. And as, as great as that was, we still didn't get the result we wanted, at least not in the immediate. But I can tell you this, I can tell you that what wasn't reported on, what wasn't discussed, was that every one of those legislators, 100 of us, we were given a clear choice, life and death. There were those of us who chose life, and unfortunately, the majority, all of the Democrats chose death. But I guarantee you this, they are without excuse. They have not heard the kind of arguments that we have given this year. This was the first time that they had heard why life matters and why it's connected to the gospel of Christ and why we were made in the image of the Lord. And now they have no excuse. So on the day of judgment, when the Lord asks them about this very issue, they can't cut and run, they can't hide, they can't say we didn't know. That was worth it. And it was worth it for the people of Colorado to hear that very message. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if we start talking like that, if we start reintroducing the gospel of Christ and start talking about God being the ultimate authority, then we're going to change hearts and minds. Why? Because it's already been done before. 
Jesus Christ crucified himself, was risen from the dead. And if we throw ourselves to him, if we accept him as our Lord and Savior and walk with him daily, we will be saved. That's a message that started 2,000 years ago and has changed the world ever since. We can change Colorado. It just takes all of us spreading that message. So here's what I would ask all of you to do. I would ask you to not only continue to support End Abortion Now, continue to raise up your own tiny churches, so to speak, to help push this issue forward, and then find good godly candidates who will act as civil ma magistrates that will protect the rights of the unborn and push godly, godly values in the state capitol. If we can do that, we can change this state for sure. That's all I have. God bless you for coming out. We can win. We already have won. And if we put our trust in God, he is for us. Therefore, no one can be against us. Thank you very much. Okay. So can we give Dave Williams and the speakers here today a round of applause? All right, so you've heard it, right? We've all been challenged today, and now it's time to get to work. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, truly. And some laborers fight against the labor. Cowardice begets cowardice, and courage begets courage. And so I'd say today, guys, that I've, I've watched. Let me say how encouraged I am by you, okay? We met a lot of wonderful churches when we came out here and testified for Day's Bill 1079. I can't tell you how much you are an encouragement to me. You motivate me. Again, just one Christian among a great body to go out and do this work. You motivate all these guys to stay in the fight. But that's what it is. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and how thankful I am for you to show up today in support of this initiative. But now we have to get to work. And that work is pretty straightforward. It's rolling up your sleeves as they share today. As you've heard, it's rolling up your sleeves and getting after it, right? Amen? Okay. So now let me ask you a question. How many of you are going to get involved in your local caucus? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, take your precincts over. Hostile takeover, as, as Greg and I called it, right? Go in there and take charge. Tell them the values that you want represented. Vote accordingly. And then stand behind your, your representatives. Not just verbally, though. Stand behind them financially. Stand behind them in prayer. Stand behind them when they need you the most. Lift up their arms. They're weary. I can't tell you what a blessing it was to see so many people, all different shapes and sizes, on all different ages. It was amazing, you guys. And I can't tell you how thankful I am to be a part of this fight with you in Colorado. So once again, thanks so much for showing up today and supporting. We love you and we appreciate you. If you'd like to find out more and how to get involved, you can go to endabortionnow.com. You can also go to Apologia Studios and get equipped there. They have a wonderful library, a wealth of, you, know, you couldn't study all this in one single lifetime, I'm convinced. And then also too, Emmaus Road Media, our hope is to do more events like this and really help along with all the wonderful content that they've already provided, but really help with how do we get involved in the legislative process? We are creating content right now that just shows you, like I said, a couple goofballs who decided, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna do what they said. We're gonna 
put our money where our mouth is and get to work. And we're, we want you to join in the journey with us. And so please go and uh, support us there and allow us to help you as best we can. So with that said, God bless you guys. Thanks so much for coming today. We love you.